and welcome to For All Mankind, the podcast. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, co-owner of Irish baby wear brand Baby Boo, and she's mum to Ruby. It's Vicky O'Callaghan. Welcome, Vicky. How are you doing? Hi, Padma. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you keeping? I'm grand. I'm fine. Um, not too bad this week now. Good weeks and bad weeks at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone's the the corona coaster of up and down. Oh God, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely mad. But no, this week has been good. It's been productive, which is always good. There's some weeks there where I get to the end of the week and I feel like I've done nothing at all (laughs) all week except try and manage Ruby's moods and try and get through the week and work. But uh, no, this week is productive so far. So many mums would know you as the face of the brand Baby Boo, which is known for the triple layered bibs. Um, But even this year, you've expanded your range. But the idea came from your own daughter and she had, it was reflux, was acid reflux, eczema. So you kind of found that when she was small from that, then you needed to find like yeah yeah and all that so it was um, it was the reflux i suppose to start with yeah yeah so it's funny enough because a uh, reflux colic you know all those there's a few different things that babies get at the start mm. that can make it even cha- more challenging for moms mm-hmm. um how did you i suppose figure out it was reflux and like get the diagnosis for it um so she was born she was she was fine for the first i think two weeks like all newborns are really i think to be fair they just do a lot of sleeping and um i think after the two week mark she started kind of spitting off and getting really upset in the evenings crying a lot and arching her back quite a lot um and i remember taking her to my gp i don't know i'm trying to remember now this is seven years ago i think there's a checkup around four weeks but I remember taking her and saying, look, I really think she's got silent reflux. I had looked up all the kind of symptoms and all the rest of it. And the GP was saying, no, no, it's not. Definitely not. Um, she has colic. So put her on Infocol and a few other things and nothing was working really. So took her back again at six weeks. And I said, look, I, I really, really think it's reflux. And she was like, no, it's, it's not. She just wouldn't even entertain it, that it could have been yeah. reflux. Uh, which was really frustrating. And then she had her eight-week um, jabs, her vaccinations, oh, yeah. and her skin at that point had started flaring up on and off with the eczema. Now, I kind of just thought it was normal enough for a small baby. And, you know, my mom had had the same experience with my brother. So I was kind of just going with it and saying, you know, it'll, it'll come good. It's probably just a touch of eczema or something like that. Um, but after her eight-week vaccinations, she had a really, really bad flare-up. Her whole body, I mean, now the poor child, head to toe, was just covered. Um, and she was just screaming constantly. So took her back down to the GP, and I just insisted on a referral at that point. I said, look, uh, you know, I need to take her into the bonds. I need to, to get some sort of answer here because I'm just not happy. I don't think this is colic. I really think there's more to it. So in fairness, she did refer me. I went straight into the bonds. She was admitted that day and within an hour of being in there, I think the very first nurse who came in to change her nappy that was taking a stool sample and she said to me, this child has reflux. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I said, I've been saying this for weeks. My GP just wasn't listening. And she said, oh no, she definitely has reflux. 
um, there was so much acid in her stool she could tell straight away. So she had the barium swallow the next day and it was confirmed that it was reflux. And then obviously um, we were under Dr. Sammy, who's very well known in Cork. Um, he's a fantastic pediatrician. She, her formula was switched and I was very lucky that that was enough to resolve the reflux issue for her. Um, yeah. And then the skin was another story, but... Um, yeah, so that was kind of how she was diagnosed. It was that that visit at eight weeks to the hospital. And it's funny because a friend of mine has a three month old at the moment who is like almost the same symptom wise. Um, and she, she I was only going through this with her the other day. You know, this is what I did. And this is, you know, all the rest of it, because it's GPs just don't seem to like hearing the reflux diagnosis. And I suppose there are so many babies who naturally have reflux that mm -hmm. they just don't take it as seriously as maybe it should be taken at times, you know? Yeah. Um, it's It kind of tells you as well that as a new mom, that trust in your own instinct, doesn't mm -hmm. it? To kind of, you know, if you have a feeling that there's Go something not right. Yeah. yeah, and it might take, unfortunately, a few trips to, to get, you know, a consultation or someone mm -hmm. to listen to. But yeah I, I i did feel that your instinct won't let you down it's it's rarely wrong you know i'd always yeah. say it's one of the first things i'll always say to any of my friends who have their first baby if they're saying you know i'm really not sure about this trust your gut you know that yeah. child better than anyone else and if you think there's a problem there 99 percent chance there is a problem there yeah yeah absolutely you know? um so ruby's seven now um, She'll be seven in November, yeah. In November, yeah. So I mean, she last seven years for you has. Would you say it has flown by as as a, as a mum, or was there particular stages that you were like happy the, that they're they're now behind you? <laughs> um, I think you know there's lots of different stages that go quickly. I think if you take it, if I sometimes think. If I look at it, that she's six and a half, I go, oh, my God, how did that happen? How did we get to six and a half all of a sudden? Because uh, what's the expression? The the days are long, but the years are short. I think yeah. that that yeah. is so true because when you're in the midst of it, when you're in the midst of a baby with reflux or, you know, the skin condition or for me, the hardest stage was potty training. Jesus, I still really? have nightmares about <laughs> it. Oh, my God, I just... I actually genuinely think that's the reason I didn't have a second child because I just, I found it so, so hard. Um, now it was, it was the stage we were at in our lives as well, because I was having renovations done in the house. We had moved back in with my parents, myself and Ruby. Um, that was going on. The business was kind of had started really taking off. Um, so I was really, really busy with that. I was sleeping in my parents' spare bedroom with like bibs, just spread out all over the room going up at night after working all day in a full-time job to pack bibs um to send them out to customers then herself was potty training because she was starting preschool in september they wouldn't take her with nappies and i was just like oh my god the stress of all of this um so i just found it took about a year to potty train her fully she just wasn't ready at the end of the day yeah. she really just yeah. wasn't and i remember the same GP saying to me, um, you know, if you start potty training her at two, she'll be potty trained by the time she's three. If you start potty training her at three, she'll be potty trained by the time she's three. And I was like, it just couldn't have been more true. There was, she just wasn't ready. So was yeah, that was the hardest stage definitely for me. 
Well, that's kind of good to hear because someone said to me the other day, um, am I going to train Alice before number two comes? I was like, no. I was like, she's so, so not ready for that. Oh. As much and there's, as, you can't as I, push I dread. them. No, not at all. But you can tell, like, mm. she doesn't have any concept that she's going to the toilet. Like, that's not there at all. Mm. And she's two in August and baby number two is June, July. So I do, God, no. it, it, it does kind of blow my mind that there'll be two in the house in nappies. And even like, you know, going out eventually when we can go out and go to a coffee shop that you potentially could be changing two kids. Um, I haven't really got my head around that, but I would think I definitely prefer that than trying to figure, oh trying God. to explain you do. anything Believe to me. Yeah. <laughs> changing two kids is a lot easier than one of them weeing in their pants while you're sitting there trying to change the other one and then changing a full change of clothes. Oh my God, I'll never forget it, honestly. No, 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 wait. <laughs> I will. Um, and then you're when a lot of a lot of us, this was well, you you know, there's pa- parts of your own um, family upbringing or childhood that you loved or that you kind of parts of your family that you love, you know, your your, your parents parenting, I suppose, mm. that you're like, oh, you know, I hope I'm like that. I hope I can achieve that. Um, and with your own like family background or your own child, was there anything from that that you kind of went, oh, do you know, if I could bring this into my own family, wouldn't that be fab? Um, so I think because it's just myself and Ruby, because I'm a solo mom, um, she has quite a condensed family unit, I suppose, because it's just my family, basically. And I just have one brother. So growing up, it was mom, dad, me, my brother and dog, your typical family. Um had a very happy childhood you know no great heartaches or you know nothing major stands out um we had it was all very normal you know family holidays and all the rest of it but what we did have was we had a big extended family because both my parents have a lot of siblings so I had lots of aunts and uncles and cousins and like I remember one of the games my brother and myself used to play was um could we remember the names of all of our cousins we had so many like (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. I'm I talking now. Yeah. Oh, I'd say we, I think at, at last count, we had something like 180 cousins between yeah. first cousins now, like yeah, between the same. Yeah, of it families. was just mad. I didn't even know half of them, to be fair. And even at this stage, I'm very close to two or three of them, but that'd be it, you know. Um, But what I, I suppose loved about all of that was we were very close to my grandmother we were very close to a grand aunt on my dad's side um, and they definitely had a huge impact on our childhood and we spent a lot of time with you know godparents and with aunts and uncles in their homes on summer holidays and I have lovely memories of all that and I did want I do want that to be the same for Ruby just because there's just us and my brother and his wife and two kids I don't want that to be, you know, the sum total of her family experience. So I, I still obviously have a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins, but they're all very much a part of her life as well. Like she's incredibly lucky to be so close to some of my aunts and uncles. So very much like she has about eight or nine grandparents, really. They don't <laughs> on her, you know, so she's she is very, very lucky. Um, Most of them are in their 80s and are still going strong and we've she has lovely relationships with them and that I suppose that for me is very important that she has that and that she remembers that yeah um, 
So that's probably what I would say I would hope to kind of keep for her and hope that she remembers down the track when she's older, you know. And do you know when, you know, we think about being a mum either during pregnancy or, you know, in our you know, before we even get pregnant, and you kind of go, God, I think I'll be like this. <laughs> this is the Earth. type of mom I'll be. Yeah, There'll be no absolutely. screens. My baby will be in bed at seven o'clock every night and we'll sleep for 12 hours. Won't come no into sugar. my bed. There'll be no sugar. <laughs> I would never pawn off the child with a biscuit. That would never happen. <laughs> there will be no bribery. I'll be honest with her all the time. <laughs> Is there any part like did you have this expectation <laughs> I'll never raise my voice oh good god um yeah yeah I think everybody has some sort oh, of an idea they. of what they think they'll be don't they and um, there's yeah. so many memes go around you know I wish I was the type of mother I thought I'd be it's just I don't think anyone can know what they're going to be like until you have your own child and I don't think like I don't know I like I I, I think it's impossible to explain to someone before they have a child, this is what it's like. This is what it's like when they hand you this tiny little baby and they say, here you go now. She's your responsibility for the rest of her life. Like, I, I honestly don't think anyone can take on board what that feels like until you have your own. So I don't think anyone can know what kind of a parent they're going to be really. Um, yeah. You know, and I think things change and evolve as well. Like, you don't know what kind of a child you're going to have. Like, Ruby is... I suppose the type of mother that I, I think a lot of, in a lot of ways, I am the type of mother that I wanted to be, but in a lot of other ways, then she is different to what I expected a child of mine would be. And I know that sounds terrible, but she has a lot of um, personality traits that I didn't, I suppose you don't expect to have. She gets quite anxious with things. She, you know, has had play therapy and stuff for that. And it has helped and she, you know, has some coping mechanisms now, but that's been really tough to deal with. And I think it's involved a lot more patience than I thought I would ever have for anything, to be honest, because I'm not a very patient person. So, you know, there are there are things like that that are unexpected as well, that you can't really know, you yeah. know, how yeah. you'll manage or how you'll cope with. Um, but then I suppose on the other scale, I didn't expect to be self-employed. I didn't expect to be able to mother her in the way I do either. Like I thought, you know, when she was born, the first few months I went back to work after having her, she was with a child, well, she was with an au pair first of all for a few months, then she was with a childminder. So I was dropping her at eight in the morning, collecting her at six in the evening. I thought that would be our life. You know, I wouldn't be the mother taking her to school because I'm on my own. It wouldn't be financially viable for me to be part-time or anything like that. And then I suppose she kind of became the motivation to want to be able to do, I don't know, am I making sense here, yeah, to want yeah. to be able to do that. So that's kind of where the business came from and the motivation to start the business. And then, you know, when I started, when we, myself and Michelle, started the business, like the goal in my head was by the time she started school, I'd be able to give up my full-time job so that I could drop her to school in the morning. That was all I wanted, was to be able to take her to school in the morning because I remember my mum bringing us to school in the morning and collecting us from school some days. I just wanted to be there for that and that was kind of the motivation for the business and that's what drove me anyway, definitely for the first few years. And that is the life that we have now. I do drop her to school every morning. I collect her on a Friday. She's, 
Childminder still collects her Monday to Thursday under normal circumstances, not at the moment, obviously, um, and keeps her for the afternoon. But I suppose I didn't expect to be that mum either, you know? Yeah. And you were saying there about um, being a solo parent and being self-employed. Do you have... And obviously you've got your child minder, but do you have like a network around you or is that your family that helps you kind of fill the gaps that you may arise? Um, whether it's like, you know, you want to go out socially or it's mm. Christmas time and, you know, baby boo is flying and you just need a few more hours. Yeah, I suppose there's a few things over the years have worked. I, I had an au pair up when Ruby was very young for the first few months and then she actually came back to me the following summer. So Ruby would have been 18 months, 19 months. And she lived with us for a year. Now, I still had my childminder as well. And I shared the au pair with another friend. It just worked at the time she lived here. So she was amazing support at that time when I really needed it because the business was just really taking off and I needed someone, some just another adult in the house if I needed to be out in the evening and stuff like that. Um, she was then poached by Amazon and is still working there. So I lost her after a year. But now I have, I always try and have two to three babysitters kind of in the locality that are on call. It's not even so much for work. It's just for my own sanity. So to go to a class in the evening, to, you know, go out for a drink with the girl, to meet a friend for dinner, that kind of thing. Um, so I do have, I, I, and my parents are very good. My parents live very near. Um, my dad is retired, so he's there in the afternoons. So if I am stuck or if I, like last year, we had a PR company in the UK. So we did something like 12 trips to London last in the that 12-month period. Um, so a lot of those were overnight. A lot of them were getting up at like 6 a.m. to get a flight. So she had to stay in my mum and dad's the night before and they'd take her to school and stuff like that. So my parents are great. Babysitters are great. Um, a childminder is brilliant like her family have become like Ruby's other kind of family yeah, so like we yeah. go to their weddings they come to us at Christmas like we'd all be very close Um, so yeah I, I think it comes up a lot actually in the I um, admin a single mum by choice group on Facebook and it always comes up when someone has a new baby you know that they say oh you know, so many people promised to help before I had the baby and now I'm kind of finding myself on my own a lot. And it's the case with all of us because, you know, with the, the best of intentions, people say, you know, oh, geez, I'll be there. I'll give you a hand. I'll, you know, take baby for a walk, whatever. But everyone else has their own life as well, you know. So yeah. I always, yeah. my response is always the same. You have to pay for help a lot of the time and you have to be in a position to be able to line up that help and have them there for when you need them for whatever reason because otherwise you know you're going to be stuck basically yeah um and that you know you were saying there actually about having the importance of having a few options even for yourself mm. so that's something you know obviously you've you're running a massively successful business um being a solo mum where do you find the time within your week then to kind of go right you know kick back kick back and relax however way you find that kind of like self-care um what like how do you find the time and what do you do when you do get the time 
Yeah, there's no time at the moment now, unfortunately, with the way things are. Um, with that, the last what is it now? Eleven, twelve weeks have mm. been a massive struggle. A lot of the time, to be honest, just to try and get some kind of time for myself, some headspace in the evenings. Um, but under normal circumstances, we forget about the times we're in at the moment. Um, under normal circumstances, yeah, I the gym. No, I wouldn't say I enjoy going to the gym. But I do force myself to go to a few classes every week just to a get a bit of headspace and b I think being active just helps me overall, um, for lots of different reasons. Um, so that I would do that. I started swimming lessons about eighteen months ago, which was something I put off obviously for years and years and years. Um, but. Uh, it had been a New Year's resolution for 10 years at that point, I think. And I just thought, you know what, just do it. So I was doing that on a Thursday morning for a long time and will hopefully go back to that. I actually love it and I find it brilliant. Um, And then, yeah, just getting out with friends or my mom for a meal or, you know, just yeah. spending time with other people, basically. Um, Adult conversations. Adult conversations, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Outside of my own four walls. At the moment, outside of the garden would be lovely, but um, <laughs> but yeah, just small things really, like you know, a coffee with a friend or just yeah, just on my own basically, with no one pulling and dragging and asking for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, the asking for X, Y, and Z is probably <laughs> the worst. Um, and obviously, having Ruby has changed your life massively from your work life. Um, do you think becoming a mum has changed you kind of personally, aside from, you know, your your time and now your career, but like kind of who you who you are? Yeah, I think it, it has all changed me. Like, I think like who I am is, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. I think in lots of ways it has changed me. I think from, you know, before I was ever pregnant, the fertility um fertility treatment changed me in lots of ways I think it made me a lot stronger than I thought I was or maybe it just made me realize how much stronger I was um but it kind of just that changed me being pregnant changed me it wasn't an easy pregnancy um and then yeah being a mom it has of course changed me but I think it all kind of falls into the same frame of reference for me the the changing my career changing how I live day to day you know um like all of that like changing from working you know a nine to five nine to six job to being far more flexible you know being in the office a few hours at home a few hours I found that transition incredibly hard because I was so indoctrinated into go to work you do your work from this time to this time you have a break for your lunch you do your work from this time to this time it took me I'd say it took me a year after I left my full-time job to work for baby boo work for baby boo to work in baby boo um and on baby boo um it took me that long I'd say to get my head around this is now the way I work and this is the way I parent and this is the way my life is you know um but yeah being a parent being a parent has definitely changed me yeah I think if nothing else it's improved my patience levels no end <laughs> genuinely though I think like I, I like 
I was a was not a patient person. <laughs> um, whereas now, definitely, I am. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it, you know what? It's made me more motivated as well, and more um, more a lot calmer or something. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, you know, um, less caught up in kind of the materialistic and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I've noticed since becoming a mum, and I don't know—is it true? It like is it true Instagram or or what? But I've noticed definitely that a part of there's a massive increase of entrepreneurship with new mums. It's like they, mm. you know, like you said, you see a gap in the market and it's like, I need this product. It doesn't exist. Mm. Um, and is it the time off that we have headspace to actually think things, you know, when you're on maternity leave or is it the motivation to go, do you know what? I can make a go with this. Um, but there's, I've seen so many amazing products by even, even particular Irish mums. Yeah, have developed their own product and brought it to market and it's a massive success um and for anyone that's at home at the moment you know thinking about it, an idea um how did you get the, the idea for baby boo you know up and running and setting up the business and to um, the success that it is now so i suppose we are six years in business this september so initially as you that earlier on it was the bibs were the starting point so ruby had reflux it was it was fairly simple really she had reflux i was buying she had to wear a bib all the time because of the she was constantly spitting up she was also a really dribbly drooly child and she uh, she was still drooling at like two two and a half but she, so she constantly had to wear a bib and i just hated putting a bib on over like a lovely outfit or over you know a little dress and if we're they just looked horrible. Like the designs were awful in the bibs that were around at the time. You just remember now this was a good few years ago. We don't have we didn't have the selection that are available now. Um so I was buying them in from the States actually from a, a company in America and they still weren't necessarily doing the job as such. Like they still, you know, dribble was still soaking through to her clothes. She was still getting terrible dribble rash under her chin. So I remember talking to Michelle about it one night and she was like, yeah, I had various problems with that as well. Michelle has four kids. Um, her eldest, Matthew, was 16 yesterday, actually only. Um, and her youngest is a year older than Ruby. So they were quite similar in age at the time. And she was like, yeah, like various problems with the same thing. And then what was happening was that like my mother and I suppose the older generation were saying, oh, buy the plastic backed ones. You know, they, oh, yeah. you know, nothing oh, soaks yeah. through them. So the plastic then was sticking to her skin and she was getting her eczema was flaring up and it was awful and then loads of people were saying oh put on two or three bibs and it won't soak through hello like state of it i was like no 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 that's not happening like she's not wearing two or three bibs in public like yeah. so we just sat down one night and we kind of were like throwing ideas around we were saying well what if you know it had really a thick fleece layer at the back and what if the cut, there was like a layer of cotton at the neck that folded down over the fleece so that it wasn't in contact with the skin? Because obviously polyester in the fleece would cause a, a rash as well. And what if and what if and what if? And basically, like I, we just, it was kind of random. I think I got a bit obsessed with the idea. 
And I started researching different, first of all, in Ireland, textile companies, and there's none, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the UK. And then I was like, right, well, we may have to look further afield. So we started kind of reading up about cotton and the different types of cotton and how it's grown and what's more absorbent. And there's whole wealth of information there if you ever want to read about it. Um, but basically cotton that's grown in warmer temperatures, so such as Egyptian cotton or Turkish cotton, has longer fibres in it, so it's more absorbent. So we're like, right, let's go Turkey. We started looking at the clothes we had, actually, and a lot of them were made in Turkey, so we were like, right, let's have a look at Turkey. And that's kind of where it started. We found a few manufacturers, asked them to make what we had drawn up ourselves, and they did. And we liked one in particular, and he was able to do the designs that we liked. We had seven designs to start with. We ordered 100 of each, and that they had sold out within about three weeks. We were like, oh my God, this is amazing. We just couldn't believe it. When I think about it now, it's so funny. Like I was looking at the current order that's due to start coming in this week and there's like 38,000 bibs in it. Oh my God. <laughs> like, when you think about it, we started yeah. with 700 yeah. and we thought that was so many. I remember when they arrived going, oh, how are we going to sell all of these? But um, yeah, so that's kind of where it started. We added the third layer to them about two years ago because... um. Well, for a few reasons, I suppose. We had talked about it a few times. Um, We wanted to switch to organic cotton. We wanted to be a more sustainable brand. And we, I suppose the fleece, we were, it never really sat well with us that we were a skin-friendly brand, but the, there was fleece kind of exposed to skin. So we wanted to cover it. And so we changed the design. There was also, the market had become has become quite flooded with different bandana bib companies um, and we wanted to differentiate ours from the others so we improved it basically and um, the cost of it went up substantially and we didn't pass that margin onto, um, onto the customer and it worked you know it's, it's gone really well and I suppose since the bibs you know, we introduced the newborn bib next which is smaller it has a smaller neck it fits yeah. much better yeah. Then it was, you know, organic cotton muslins because we loved muslins. Everything we bring in or design ourselves is based on something that we felt was missing. So like the snuggle boo sleeping bags have detachable sleeves. Yeah. Because yeah. like Ruby's hands were and arms were always freezing. I used to be putting a cardigan on under her sleeping bag. Um and then you'd worry about them overheating and all that kind of stuff. So they have detachable sleeves, so I I used to just pop the sleeves on when I was going to bed when it's cooler at night. Um, and then we changed or introduced a second version of those about 18 months ago with legs because people have been asking us for years, oh, could you not do one with legs? And we were like, really? Really? Do people not use sleeping bags anymore? And so we designed them with legs and then it's kind of gone from there. The blankets are massively popular. Um, the we started personalizing things about three years ago. Um, we have two embroidery machines now, so we do a phenomenal amount of personalization on blankets, robes, bibs. Um, the gift market is just massive for us. It's a huge I'm part of the business. Now it's probably even bigger because oh, it's, it's about seventy percent of the business at the moment is gifts. Yeah. Um, because people can't get to shops, obviously, so they're ordering online. So brilliant, great. Um, yeah, so the whole COVID thing has been a huge, a very positive thing for the business, I have to say. Um, we've been busier than we were last Black Friday for the last three months. So it's 
been excellent, brilliant. It's great um, to hear something positive come out of what feels like such a long, yeah. drawn out um, period of time. That yeah, and I think as well, it's made people think about where we're getting our products from mm. and supporting our own homegrown companies. Mm. Um, that you know we're high you know your staff are located in ireland and everything like that like that's mm. try and keep the money within the country as much as we exactly can. yeah exactly and within the economy the irish economy yeah um but to go back to your question sorry i think you asked me what would you know how did it get off the ground i think there's a few things that help um i think we didn't take a salary for well over a year about 18 months uh, we just reinvested everything back into the business consistently um we were very slow to start taking on staff and start expanding we just kept it as small as we could for as long as we could we didn't have a premises we had obviously had to have a storage unit after about a year because there was just too much too many bibs but um we just kept we took it very slowly i suppose um the leo were very helpful to us in developing the website the trading online voucher we used that a few years ago um it just we just took it slowly. We didn't overextend ourselves. We didn't put ourselves in a position where we had, you know, a huge amount of creditors or, yeah, you know. So you kept your overheads as much as you can yes, down. exactly, exactly. And just built it slowly. And then when we felt we were ready to take on staff and when we had no choice, really, because we were so busy, um, we then moved into a bigger warehouse and, you know, started investing a bit more in that side of the business. And that has paid off, thankfully. Um, and the leo actually at the moment all of the local they're the local enterprise offices mm. are really pushing to get people so even if you have a business at the moment and you aren't online those mm. um they're kind of like digital online vouchers, like, yeah. yeah basically whether it's to and even if you have a website actually because i was reading up on it you mm. have a website and you just say you've got a new line of products coming in there's a voucher available for photography or for mm. Um, it's all the same voucher the trading online voucher you can use it for you can use it for marketing you can use it for um as you say photography you can use it for trade shows once it's all related back to growing the e-commerce side of the business basically it's amazing that it's available there Mm -hmm. and it's the the application process from what i've seen doesn't seem to be too no it's very straightforward so it's if anyone is thinking about either putting an an offline to online business it's mm. definitely or you're just looking for an online business it's a huge support and they've got amazing um kind of experts and stuff to help you out as well they do yeah we use their mentoring as well at the start yeah um which was fantastic um and i did the going for growth did program you? with enterprise ireland yeah, yeah yeah about three years ago now and that's, that was fantastic. That's for women only, isn't it? Going yes. For yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. The, some amazing, amazing businesses have come out of that. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I'd highly recommend it. Um, Marissa Carter was my mentor. She's brilliant. She's so lovely. Um, it was fantastic. Really, one of the highlights of the last few years, definitely. And isn't it amazing as well, like to have someone like Marissa, who's got such expertise in in kind of retail as well and, and managing the business to be able to support you know an SME like yourselves mm. yeah she's just incredible she's got so much experience across such a broad array of business it's just it's she's brilliant like the way it's run is but is really innovative as well because it's not just about 
what the mentor can provide for you. It's, it's kind of run on a round table basis. So you're grouped together with, in our case, I think it was 11 other businesses um, who are handpicked by Marissa from the applications. Um, so it's a, a range of different industries. And so, like, for example, obviously my background is digital. My, my career before Baby Boo was all digital marketing and publishing and stuff like that. So I would have a lot of experience with that. Someone else at the table had more retail experience, more kind of hands-on bricks and mortar retail. Someone else had, um, you know, a different type of textile experience. Then obviously Marissa has the cocoa brown and the makeup. And obviously huge experience in international trade as well and how she's grown the business in that way. So you all kind of work together and spark off each other and give ideas to one another. It's amazing. It's a brilliant program. Uh, Michelle actually did an excellent program with the Leo as well, which was all about, I can't think of the name of it now, but um, that was excellent as well. She did that last year. So there's loads of programs out there and they're well worth it. And in particular, that's that's a whole um, program that's run by women for women. Yeah. So like yeah, that's, that's an amazing um, to see. And the, the support continues afterwards. So you join the community after you've done the program. And then there's a big annual kind of a conference. Obviously, won't be going ahead this year, but generally um, that everyone who's done it is free, you know, can attend. Yeah. And obviously, like some of the businesses involved, like, are just massive businesses now you know so there's always loads of of um ideas and inspiration there fantastic and for anyone that is thinking about um setting up a business or as an idea i mean you're obviously going to hit probably bumps in the road Hmm. um was there anything that you that you kind of went oh this is you know this you know was it like sourcing um, you know, from source material or any kind of funding or you know anything that you kind of um, like, oh, this is you know, that, that it, it a kind challenge. of made you, yeah, a challenge that made you kind of go, oh, can I can I make this work or not? Mm. I suppose for us, probably the biggest challenge has been the financial side of the business because neither of us have that background. Yeah. Um, and again, it's something that I'd always say to someone if you know, if someone rings me looking for advice or you know often get asked by different people could we sit down for a coffee and just give them advice and my advice is always the same if you don't have the skill yourself hire someone who does don't try and do it or don't think you can figure it out because if you don't if you if your skills lie elsewhere focus on where your skills lie because that's where you should be growing your business um and for us like we michelle manages all the financial side of the business thank god because i don't think i i definitely know i wouldn't have the um the head for it but we have a fantastic accountant now we didn't for a few years um and it was a very steep learning curve but we do we have a financial uh, fantastic support now on the financial side of the business but that was definitely the biggest challenge for us i think um and the other one actually is you know the whole like i've never worked in retail aside from working in roach stores when i was 16 I'd never worked um, in that side of, of a business. I'd never sourced products or designed products or, you know, bought products into the country. So the whole export, yeah, import, true. you know, tra- like duty, taxes, customs. Oh, my God, it's a complete headache. And it took us 
definitely 18 months to two years to get our head around all that. Now we have um, a customs clearance agent in Dublin. And that's, again, the first thing I always say to someone, if they are thinking of importing a product, get yourself a customs clearance agent and let them deal with the headache because it's just not worth the stress of trying to figure out what tariff code you should be using and what duty you should be paying and all that kind of stuff. It's not worth it. So, yeah, so you, you know, it's listening to you. It's, I suppose, for anyone that has a, an idea or a niggle in the back of their mind. Mm. Um, and, you're, you know, I, I think as women, we can be really bad at kind of going, oh, you know, I can't, I don't know enough about this or I don't mm. know. Oh, I'd know maybe 70% of this. But I mean, listen to you, you're, you're very much like, go with your skill set and you can fill the gaps with you can. other people. Yeah and you know mm -hmm. go for it and you know you for you you know you you the motivation was obviously you wanted to do that school drop and that was like the mm. the kind of the nugget for you that was the carrot at the end of the, of the, the road that you wanted um and i think yeah. for a lot of mums and i think in particular at the moment you know for those of us that are working or spending more time at home you know it has given us time to evaluate um our family life and how we're spending mm -hmm. our days work-life balance and absolutely all that. you know and if there's i just i just think being an entrepreneur being self-employed you know it's a big jump but the reward mm. is massive um it is it you is know, it really but can is. i temper all that by saying as well <laughs> though that your work-life balance disappears when you're self-employed oh it does and i can say that as like, someone who's um husband is self-employed your husband is self-employed yeah, yeah it's, it's like you never switch off no never no matter and nobody does and i don't care like if they say they do they're either lying or they aren't as you know driven by the business as they should be because you just don't switch off like especially in the world we live in at the moment with social media oh, it's like impossible it, it just doesn't happen. Like I had someone rang me just before you, we got on this, um, onto this tonight, rang me randomly at like 20 past seven. Um, I'm just wondering, do you make pink Moses baskets? Like, <laughs> no. And where did you get my phone number? Because I don't have it listed anywhere because we're an online business. So everything yeah. is by email or social media, but it's this kind of thing. Like I, someone rang me at 7 AM a few weeks ago, wondering where her order was. UPS were supposed to deliver at 7 AM yeah like yeah, i there, absolutely believe it yeah yeah there's no switching off like and and to be honest i don't really like switching off either like I, myself and michelle have been talking about this over the last few weeks because obviously with covid and everything else that i'm at home with ruby she's at home with kids her husband is working from home as well Um, they've got four kids homeschooling so it's it's full on and we're not in the warehouse as much as we would usually be and it's so hard we're both, you know, just love being there and love working on the business and being in the business. It's very, very hard sitting at home going, oh, there's a delivery after coming in, but I can't go over and see what's in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really frustrating. Um, so, yeah, I, I, do, I have gotten better over the years at not responding to emails after nine o'clock and not, you know, necessarily opening messages on Instagram and stuff like that. But... Yeah, you don't switch off. Like you're you're working constantly, really. So while it seems lovely in theory, and it is lovely, don't get me wrong, you need to be ready for that as well. Like you're yeah. if you're not 
made to do that kind of work don't even bother it does offer great flexibility but mm-hmm. with the flexibility comes well from my experience from with our families like yes there's great flexibility when it's available um mm. and then when but it's also very demanding so not yes yeah. it might be more flexible but you probably have a greater input into the business so you know your your hours per week could be longer yeah but yes you can tailor that week to suit your family you can yeah and that's kind of i suppose that's the win that that's what you know if that's where you want the priority to be is that flexibility yes it has that but it is it's a it's a it's a a massive undertaking yeah so it's it's yes i can take friday afternoons off and collect ruby from school and go for our lunch and go to the park and have a lovely afternoon and evening but then I'm working on Sunday morning exactly. to make up for that. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, so those hours aren't, it's not a shorter week. It's just a, no. an adapted week. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it's longer. Like <laughs> my aunt rang me the other day and she said, um, and how's business? And she's 88. Like, how's business? Are you still dabbling away, I suppose? <laughs> just <laughs> like, a bit. I turned off the laptop at one this morning. Yes, I'm still dabbling away. Like, Jesus. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Um, it is that time, Vicky, that I need to ask you three questions. Okay. What would you tell your pregnant self? Oh, God. Um, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, weren't we? I would tell my pregnant self to calm down. That you're only going to do this once. Try and enjoy it. Um, my pregnancy was like I had gestational diabetes I had um, God, loads of loads of bumps in the road we'll call them um, and I was quite anxious a lot of the pregnancy and quite worried but yeah I would tell myself to you know try and enjoy it a bit more that you're only going to do it once and that you know it's it's not all you know what's going to happen next what's going to go wrong next that's probably what I would tell my pregnant self. And sleep, Jesus. Yeah. Sleep when you can on your own. <laughs> Spread out. Um, I can probably guess what this is. What one product could you not live without? Um, what one product could I not live without? Well, the babes when Ruby was small, I suppose, if I was going to pick for a baby. Um, right now... Is this a baby boot product? If it was a baby boot product right now, she can't live without the leggings. She loves our leggings. They've got a high waist on them. She loves them. Um, me personally, I can't live without my phone. Probably, which sounds very sad, doesn't it? Well, no. Not yeah. when you also have like a company that's ran online. Do you know, yeah. it's they've become almost a part of the office, aren't? Haven't they really? Yeah, well, yeah, totally. Like most of my work is done on the phone at the moment. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, yeah, when she was a baby, I, do you know what was brilliant was you and the dream sheep. Jesus, that thing helped her sleep so much. I, I buy it for all my friends when they have a baby now. I'm like, here, take this. This will help. It will, I promise. I know it looks silly, but it will help. We um, had one like that as well, actually, for Alice. Oh, it was, they're brilliant. I can't remember the brand. Um yeah it did look ridiculous um do you know what it was actually my dad bought it because we were using our phone for oh, the white um, noise for the white noise and he was not happy about it so he was like we need to get an actual um like something like like that like in product yeah, yeah. um it's called a sleepy head but it's a, 
it's a diff it's a brand over that but i cannot remember the brand um and we bought it we, at the time when we bought it you could only buy direct from them but now i know okay it's it's, it's readily available in our in ireland but though the white noise is the biz when they're small hmm. yeah no it is definitely um i used to have this hair dryer app on the phone oh, yes <laughs> I used to put on I remember my mother coming down to mind her one time and she was like what is that noise did you leave the hair dryer on and I was like no no that's that's my phone inside in the Moses basket she was like what are you doing I was like well if it works she's asleep child will be deaf I remember walking around TK Maxx and people kind of looking over their shoulder what the noise was I really didn't oh, I really you do anything at the anything. time didn't you? Oh. yeah and finally, Vicky, what has been your magic moment? Um, I think our magic moments in general are our holidays. We both love holidays, myself and the Roopster. Um, we go to Lanzarote twice a year, every year. We stay in the same place. It's very easy, but we just love it. We were there at, at, for New Year's, thank God, because God knows when we'll get back again. Um. And we go with friends this year now. We went with um, a very good friend and her little girl who's the same age and another friend joined us and we just love it. I think those would be our favourite times really. And she keeps saying to me at the moment, Mom, are we ever going to get back to Lanzarote? And I'm like, yeah, I know. But if you told me 10 years ago that that would be my magic moment, I'd have been like, what? Lanzarote, really? <laughs> but, but yeah, but definitely there are. that's our happy place, you know. Absolutely. That kind of the thing, the vibe you were going for. <laughs> yes. Vicky, thank you so much for sharing your experience on motherhood and for massive insights to anyone that is looking to get into being self-employed or setting up a business. I hope so. Um, I think there's absolute nuggets there that people will feel inspired by and will give them confidence to explore any ideas that they have. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for listening for today's episode of From Unkind. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you would like to send a message, please email fromunkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you on the next episode of the podcast.